You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Uh, As a quick warning, when I go into my sermon, a couple different times I'm going to ask a question. I'm expecting you to answer So if I go like this and I awkwardly pause, say something. (laughs) It'll be pretty obvious. Let's test it. Ready? Quick question. By a poll, who thinks the Christmas season starts November 1st? Okay. All right. All right. And who thinks that Christmas season starts after Thanksgiving? Ah, the right people in the room. (laughs) I think the rest of you are nuts. Christmas starts after Thanksgiving. Keep that Christmas music away. Thank you. But let's have a unifying question. Who has started their Christmas shopping already, or at the very least, has a mental note going of what you're going to get? Oh, wow. Okay. There were more people in the first service. Y'all got to get on that. Come on, like, it's November 10th. Let's get moving. All right, well, I personally am on the solid mental list train. I've actually not purchased anything, but I've started thinking about the people who I want to give gifts for and what in the world those would be. I personally start taking, love taking notes of comments that my people, my friends, my family make, such as, oh, I love that, when we're out shopping in about August. That way, when come Christmas, I have a little list that's going either on my iPhone or in my brain of what I can get someone based off what they wanted, even if they, and especially if they don't remember wanting it. That way, my gift is a complete surprise. All of my presents have a lot of thought behind them. I don't just get something for someone randomly. I try to have a lot of intention behind it. Have you ever been given a gift, open it, and thought to yourself, oh, that's nice. What is it? Or, why would you give me this? Or even, yeah, I don't really want this. Or maybe even worse, wow, I definitely don't want that. (laughs) We've all been there, right? We've all gotten something we didn't necessarily want. You know, as a kid, no one wants socks. As an adult, we all want socks. Mother, socks. Or at the very least, if we didn't get what we want, we've watched someone get something that looks way cooler than the thing we got. We've all thought to ourselves while holding the thing we got, wow, I want, I want that. That, mm, that looks cool. I want that. But what about that gift you're holding? What about that gift you've actually been given? Did you even get the chance to look at it? Did you even get the chance to see what you were given? To see how useful that gift might actually be? This is no different than the spiritual gifts we have been given. This is no different than the spiritual gifts that we hold. Pull out your Bibles and let's look at our passage for today. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 12 in the New Testament towards the end. We're going to start at the very beginning because, thank you, (laughs) 
Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to each one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of the tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. We're going to pause here for a bit and look at what Paul is saying. First off, what even is a spiritual gift? I kind of just said that. A working definition that we're going to go with for now, as we dive into this a little bit deeper, is a spiritual gift is a spiritual ability, the God-given spiritual ability, which enables a believer to effectively serve the body of Christ. These gifts are specifically for us, from God, and they're special. These are not innate talents that people are born with, like the ability to bake anything, to sing on key and to hold that key, or to solve super complex math problems. These are supernatural empowerments that the Holy Spirit gives to believers that frankly would not be possible without him. These gifts are specifically for those who believe and follow the Holy Spirit. And more than that, if you believe, if you follow the Holy Spirit, if you identify as a Christian, you have a gift. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. Look back at your Bibles. Chapter 12, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. If you are a believer, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit and you are given a gift. These gifts are specifically and intentionally given to us by God as an extension of his grace and as an extension of his love. Romans 12, 6 says, we have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. Now, I shared a little bit last time I was here that um, I'm a student at Fuller, and I love getting into the nitty-gritty side. I think I talked about how I took a Greek class, and it killed me, but I loved it. So I like 
in preparation for this message, went and looked at the original passage of 1 Corinthians 12 in my Greek Bible. <clears throat> I can only read part of it, but you know. I love going and looking at the original language and seeing what nuggets that we may miss in our English translation of the Bible. Some words in Greek just you can't say in English, and it's really difficult to explain. Um, looking at different sorts of words and stuff. So when we look at the version, the Greek version of 1 Corinthians 12, I found that the Greek word for gifts is actually the word charismata, which sounds a whole lot like in our English word for charisma. Yes, thank you. <laughs> charisma or charismatics. But looking even deeper at this word, charismata is derived from the root charis, which is translated as, yes, grace. I'm impressed with you. Well done. So quite literally, if we look at these spiritual gifts from God, we can roughly translate spiritual gifts as grace gifts. Now, why is this important? Grace is the currency of the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. Grace is the currency of the kingdom of God. We are given grace so that we can turn around and give grace. We receive grace from God and are called to take that grace and disperse it, disperse that grace towards people around us. And how do we do that? Through spiritual gifts, through that charismata, that charisma. So here we have an even deeper definition of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are the abilities through which we receive the grace of God and then use that grace to spread that grace to others. This is one of the goals of spiritual gifts, strengthening our brothers and sisters in Christ through an extension of grace via our spiritual gifts, our charisma. In one of his letters, Paul addresses the Christians that he is writing to and says, very roughly translated myself from the Greek, for I long to see you, that I may distribute you, to you a spiritual gift that will strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now that is a super rough and very literal translation of Romans 1.12 for those of you who are keeping track. What Paul is saying here is that he wants to use his own gifts to strengthen this community that he's going into, but that he also wants to gain strength from their gifts. He was wanting to sit in community with them, to encourage them from spiritual trouble, and to get encouraged as well. A spiritual gift is a direct expression of one's faith in, order, in an attempt to strengthen another's. This idea is echoed again in 1 Peter 4.10. The verse says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now this is all for the purpose of edifying and bettering the church. It is through community that our faith is strengthened and our grace is shown. If we fast forward just a titch in the passage that we are in, 1 Corinthians 12, all the way up to chapter 14, 
Paul actually starts discussing what these gifts should look like um, should they not be used together. He gives the example, the basic example of speaking in tongues. As a quick aside, speaking in tongues is basically the language of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues would make absolutely no sense and is not edifying to the church unless someone is using the gift of interpretation to help explain what is being said. Spiritual gifts work together and complement each other. Embracing our spiritual gifts and using them in the church is crucial to loving your Christian brothers and sisters, but also for growing the church. Another use for, mis- for using spiritual gifts is actually witnessing to non-believers. Believers are reminded and shown uh, the grace and the love of God in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But unbelievers? Those who come in and witness and experience the spiritual gifts of the believers? Well, they get to witness the power of the Holy Spirit. They get to witness the physical and the shocking manifestation of the Holy Spirit. How stunning! Can you imagine? Paul continues in this fast-forwarded section in chapter 14, again, roughly translated, but if an unbeliever or an outsider enters while everybody is prophesying, he will be convicted by all that he is. And he is able to be held accountable for his sins by all. So he will fall down and he will worship God, exclaiming, God really is among you. When we use our spiritual gifts to edify the kingdom of God, we also grow that kingdom. We create space for the power of the Holy Spirit to be present and to convict those who are not yet following him. Spiritual gifts demonstrate the grace and the love of God. So we need to embrace our spiritual gifts and use them. Okay. But just how are we to know what our spiritual gifts are? Generally, when we think of spiritual gifts, we think of tongues. Yes, tongues. That is one of, but that's just one of many, yes? Prophesying, healing, hospitality, visions. There are plenty of them. Let's look back at 1 Corinthians 12, our original passage. And we're going to jump to verses 7 through 11. We're going to skip forward a little bit. Look with me. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different types, kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. We'll pause there again. So we've got a few gifts listed here. We've got wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, 
prophecy, identifying the demonic, speaking in tongues, and interpreting in tongues. I counted nine. So these nine, these are the spiritual gifts, yes? No. There are more. These are not all the spiritual gifts. This is not an exhausted list. These are not the list that God just looks at and goes, cool, this one's for you. Paul even mentions at the end of chapter 12 that there are some more gifts. It's almost, this list is almost as if he's just kind of riffing, just throwing out some gifts that he has just come up with off the top of his head. I would like to think that the gifts that we are given are perfect for us, that they're hand-chosen by God. The Holy Spirit has given us gifts that are particular to our unique and our particular circumstances. Unique gifts. Our God is infinitely creative in the way that he deals with his people, is he not? He's not going to be boxed in by a baker's dozen option of gifts. No. <laughs> Our gifts can be one of those nine that I mentioned, yes, but they also can be something created just for who we are and just for the crucial role that we are to play in the church. Let's look back at 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to rewind a little bit back to the verses we skipped, verses 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So in other words, regardless of the gift that you are given, or your neighbor is given, or your mother is given. It is the same God that gave you those gifts. It is the same God who was working through you through both of any of those gifts. Paul points out the diversity of these grace gifts that the believers are given. And regardless of whatever gift that someone has, the Lord is working through them, using them to edify the body of the church and the kingdom of God. Now with this, of course, there are going to be some challenges. And there are going to be some possible abuses with the spiritual gifts. A first challenge is a little obvious in my humble opinion. Trying to figure out what in tarnation your own gift is. Sometimes this can be just as simple as spending some time in prayer and evaluating what could be right in front of your own eyes. What gift you are not saying that's just sitting there. Romans 12, 1 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, that you offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. A living sacrifice. A holy sacrifice. So what does it mean to be a sacrifice? It's submission, yes? Complete submission, 100% submission. Wholly submitting yourself to the work of God as a willing sacrifice. But as a sacrifice, can we say, here I am, God, use me. Except this. You can use any of that, but not this. This is what I want. It's not how that works. No, when we submit ourselves to God, we give everything to him. You say, use me, mold me however you want me to. However you want to. There we go. <laughs> Continuing on to Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
and you will be able to discern what is the perfect will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, when we do lean into that complete submission, when we do offer our bodies as a 100% sacrifice, willing for God to use us however way he may, it is then that we are able to be molded by and to discern his will. Like I said earlier, spiritual gifts are God-given. We can't apply for them. We don't earn them. There are no Christian points that we are given or need to you know, save up in order to be given a gift of the Holy Spirit or a particular gift of the Holy Spirit. The only thing we need to do is that 100% submission, that complete living holy sacrifice to the will and the call of the Holy Spirit. When we submit ourselves like this, when we submit ourselves as a living sacrifice, we submit ourselves to his will and that perfect gift that he has individually for us. Now that doesn't mean that we can't ask for a specific gift. Of course we can. But just because you ask doesn't mean you're going to get it. The Holy Spirit can always say no to the gifts that we ask for. It can be easy to sit with that gift, especially if you have asked for a different one or an additional one, and look at the gift that someone else has and want that one. Maybe that particular gift seems cooler. Or maybe that particular gift seems even more useful than your own. And that's where our second challenge lies, in jealousy. Why are we jealous? Because we're looking at that gift and identifying it as better than our own. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at uh, verses 15 to 20. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So why should you be jealous? of a gift that God gave to someone else? Why should you look at them and say, you're better, your gift is better, your talent is better, where you have stepped in, where you belong in the body of the church is better than my gift, is better than where I belong? Why would you be jealous of a role that somebody else has? The grace gift that God gave you is the perfect gift for you. And more than that, your gift, it's needed. The body of the church is, complete, is incomplete without all the gifts. 
They are breathed into life by the power of the Holy Spirit anyway. Who are we to judge which gifts, which parts of the body is more valuable, is better than the other? That kind of leads us to our third challenge, our third potential place in space for abuse. Now, we looked at jealousy, and jealousy is saying, your gift is better than mine. You are better than me, therefore I want to beat you, or I want to have what you have. Alternatively, and relatively similarly, is preferring one gift over another. So, oh, they have that gift. They're so cool. We need them here. We need them here. Or even being proud of the own gift you have because it is one of those cool gifts. Because it is one of those absolutely visible and needed parts of the body. There is a reason that the first answer when I said, what other spiritual gifts was tongues? It even took a quick second for another gift to be mentioned. That, for some reason, in our culture, in the charismatic culture, and even in the first Corinthian culture to whom this letter was written, is the um, elevated, that's my word, is the elevated gift for some strange reason. Now, was that right? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 again. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And in those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Gifts are not meant to divide our church. There's no division in a body. It's unity, working together as one. The members are to have the same care for each other as they do for another, regardless of those gifts. So going back to those gifts, think about how we are to use them together for the purpose of edifying the church. All are needed to create a working and functional body. Not one gift is better than another, so there's no need to be prideful or to prefer one particular gift over another. They're all just as valuable. They're all just as needed. In a similar manner, Paul says in Romans 12:3, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith which God has assigned him. So what do we do with this pride? You can be proud of your gift. It's awesome. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. That's rad. But this boasting should not be towards yourself. Rather, this boasting, this proudness of your gift should be towards the Holy Spirit. Look at what he did. Look at what he gave you. Look at what he's allowing you to do through him. 
It's his grand design that created it. You can't take credit for it. This gift was graciously given to you. These gifts are graciously given to us to use by the Holy Spirit. A few few things will keep our pride at bay and our boasting muted, like being aware of the presence and the prominence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. The church is not the place for bragging or of competition, but rather a place of restoring our faith, restoring our strength, filling up on grace and love. So as we move towards unification and edification of the body of Christ, we need to lean into those spiritual gifts that we have been given. And there are a few ways that we can do this. Spoiler alert, none of those involve taking an online quiz. (laughs) I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but I can for one say I definitely have taken an online quiz before. Uh, I might have taken one this week just to see. Um, But then I also was assigned to take one before I went on a mission trip in high school. At the time then, and then also again this week, I read my results and thought, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why? Why the mm response? Why is it the computer's job to tell me what the Holy Spirit has given me? I can tell you, yeah, this is what I like. This is what I'm good at. But the computer's not going to be able to tell me this is the innate gift that the Holy Spirit gave you when you, become a Christ- when you became a Christian. This is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that's inside you. That's not something you're going to be able to find online. So how do we find that then, if not online? (laughs) Well, firstly, we ask. We go before the Lord and we say something along the lines to him of, here I am, Lord, use me. We make ourselves available in those moments. We listen, we hush, we sit. We make ourselves a living sacrifice and a mold that the Holy Spirit will be able to use and form into something beautiful by stepping away from our own wants, by stepping away from our own desires and being willing to step into where the Holy Spirit would like us to. Alongside of that, though, while we pray separately to the Holy Spirit, we can invite those to come alongside us. We can extend that, um, that pool a little bit, if you will, other than just you and the Holy Spirit, into those who know you, and to those leaders in the church, elders, Pastor Chris, your family. In an effort to join together in prayer, to ask the Lord and to discern which gifts the Holy Spirit has given to us. Now, this isn't something quite as easy as, hey, mom, what's my gift? She's not going to know. But she can say, and she can sit with me, and she can pray with me and say, let's ask the Lord together. Let's see what he says. Extend that pool a little. But while asking the Lord what gift he could possibly have intended for you, even whilst doing it amongst friends, we need to do some groundwork. It's not so easy as just dropping to our knees and praying. What I've shared today is only the very tip of the iceberg about spiritual gifts and the charismata from the Holy Spirit. 
While praying for your gifts, read the scriptures. Jump into the Bible. Study up on grace gifts. Listen to a podcast. Pick up a book or two. Have a meeting with someone who's wiser than you, been involved in the church longer than you have. An elder, perhaps. Dive deeper into the scriptures than we have today. Lastly, while on the journey to discovering your grace gift, knock. <laughs> try new things. See how it feels. Be willing to try new things. Be willing to step into new experiences. But while you do that, be willing to fail. Maybe that thing you tried isn't actually the right gift for you. And that is okay. Maybe you step into this, you ask for something in particular, you involve yourself in a place and space in the church and think, yeah, that's not for me. You didn't fail. The Holy Spirit didn't show up. That's just not your gift. So you move on. You learn from that experience. What you learned is that is not your gift. But there are more, so let's keep stepping into new situations. Let's keep embracing new things. See if that's where that is. Don't be afraid of failure while you're trying to discover what your gift is. You're going to learn from trying. You're going to grow from it. And you can always try again. At the end of the day, and at, in the midst of all of this, you have to remember that spiritual gifts are a perfect expression of grace. Embracing and acting on our spiritual gifts is, a be is the beautiful way that we are able to express the love and the grace that God has shown us. Okay, I know this is a lot, guys. Trust me, <laughs> I do. If you remember, the last time I preached, um, I shared that I come from a charismatic background. Of course, the charismatic girl preaching on the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the cool thing is, when I did a little bit of research into the Greek, I actually discovered something. Coming from my charismatic background, people who come from a charismatic background, it's kind of nonsensical because saying you're from a charismatic background just literally means that you are a group of people who are embracing your grace gifts. So if you come from a charismatic background, or if you say, I am charismatic, well, technically, we all should be charismatic. We all should be coming from a charismatic background because we all should be leaning in and embracing those grace gifts that we've been given. That being said, I do know that sometimes these charismatic people, they can go overboard. And they can easily abuse their gifts. Trust me, I've been there. A story? So one time in college, my best friend, um, she and I did absolutely everything together. Uh, so she and I decided to go to a worship night at a local conference that was being held nearby. She knew one of the speakers uh, who was going to be at the conference and finagled him to give her free tickets. She always gets free stuff. I don't know how the girl does it. Um, but we got some free tickets to go to this conference um, to go to, it was like a session or two, and then the worship night. 
Now, worship is my bread and butter. That is personally how I communicate and feel most connected to the Lord. Um, not necessarily just worship in a church, uh, church setting, but also, you know, specifically via music, I should clarify. Obviously, there are multiple types of music, of worship. Um, listening to music, going to worship nights, I'm all about it. I was in. Let's go. We show up. We got dressed. We showed up. We sat in, you know, the second row because the first is a little scary. Second, still nice and close. Eyes closed, hand or two raised. There. That's where things started getting just a little, little weird. Now, at the time when I was in Santa Barbara, I attended a church, and actually before I went to college too, I attended a church where praying in tongues and interpreting those tongues was absolutely nothing abnormal or um, alarming whatsoever. It was completely commonplace. It was a very charismatic church, a very grace-gift-filled church where they all leaned in and embraced those things. So when the people at the conference started praying in tongues and interpreting those tongues, I I wasn't alarmed whatsoever. Where I did get alarmed was when people started literally yelling visions or supposed words from the Lord that they were getting. So for example, even like crazy super vague ones, for example, one of the people stood up and yelled at the very top of their lungs, does the word freedom mean anything to anyone? Yes. (laughs) That word means something to everyone. Good job. Whether we're looking at freedom from our past life, whether we need freedom from something, whether we are embracing our spiritual lives and the freedom that we have found in the Lord, freedom means something to everyone. They will find meaning in it. But the real kicker in this conference, the real kicker was the man next to me. The man next to me dropped to his hands and knees I thought, okay, worship, whatever, it's fine. No, mm -mm. he began crawling on the floor. Roaring. Roaring loudly. Roaring like the lion of the tribe of Judah. I looked to my friend. My friend next to me, though, and the person behind us started talking about the beautiful manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Look at it. Isn't it great? Isn't God regal? Isn't God good? Look at what he's doing through this person. And that was enough for me. I left. Because yes, our God is good. And yes, our God is regal. And yes, God can do crazy things. But that? crawling around on the ground, roaring loudly like the lion of the tribe of Judah or however you want to describe that, is not a spiritual gift. That is a distraction. That is focusing on you. That is focusing on what you can do. And yes, maybe you could say it's a form of worship. Maybe you could say he's uh, experiencing the spirit, but that's not a spiritual gift. And to people around you, That takes away from that experience. I stopped focusing on the worship and was very distracted by this human being crawling around on the floor roaring. It was also weird, might I add. So we've been sitting here in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's move ahead, speaking of this, to 1 Corinthians 13. Starting at the very beginning. If I speak in the tongues of men or in angels, but have not love or grace, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but if I don't have love or grace, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned in a living sacrifice, but if I have not love, I gain nothing. Using our gifts for anything other than the edification of the church to the glory of God is nothing but a distracting noise. It does nothing for us. It does nothing for our brothers and sisters, and it does nothing for the kingdom. It's just a distraction. On the contrary, if we set aside our own self and the attention that we may want, and if we lean in to our actual grace gifts, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave us, the gifts that we have been blessed with, this does the opposite. It has the opposite effect. Leaning into our spiritual gifts allows for a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, allows for a manifestation of grace and a manifestation of love. Tangibly, physically. Which in chapter 13 is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not proud. It is not insistent on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but instead it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. So leaning into our spiritual gifts, there can be challenges. There can be crazy abuses but there's also so much beauty that can come from it. There's so much beauty that can come from uniting with our brothers and sisters in Christ in community, strengthening our own community, bringing people into our own community, gaining faith, gaining restoration, walking away full of grace, walking away with love, just by sitting in community, just by practicing your own gift and allowing someone else to practice that beautiful gift that they have that's unique from yours. So as you leave this place today, spend some time in prayer. Spend some time asking God what your individual, unique, and particular gift may be. Spend some time asking those to you, close to you to sit with you and pray with you to discern what your own gift is. Dive deeper into the scriptures and read more about spiritual gifts. Read what I didn't have time to say. And finally, don't be afraid to try new things. Jump in. See where there's a need. Maybe you're the perfect person to fill that need. Maybe you have that perfect gift for that open place in the body. Thank you.